Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. We're going to welcome all of you here that are watching here in the room, watching online. We're glad you've joined us. So we got a special treat for you today. We're in the midst of this series called The Master's Plan. And what we're doing is we're talking about Jesus' plan to plant churches in this world. That he said, I will build my church. And we're talking about what that's all about. And so far in this series, we've been talking extensively about our vision and our mission. Let me just review our vision with you. It's to reach every man, woman, and child with the good news of the grace of Jesus. Every man, woman, and child. So, so far in this series, we've talked a whole lot about what we're doing here locally as a church, but today we're going to talk about what we're doing to fulfill our vision worldwide. And I've actually asked two key individuals to come up here today and share with you a little bit about what we're doing in global missions. The first guy really needs no introduction. He's our missions director here. He's a missionary with East West Ministries, Chuck Abbott. And uh, Chuck, if you get to know him, he's a great guy. He does have one flaw, though. He's a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. So <laughs> if you can forgive him of that, it's, it's all good, okay? We're imperfect people doing life with a perfect God. So, And there's our mission. See how I snuck that in there? So anyhow, the other guy, Terry Spinelli, one of our premier missionaries, but he's way, way more than that, people. If you don't know Terry Spinelli, he's the founding pastor of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. So we owe a huge debt of gratitude to this man that's coming up here today. About eight years ago, he helped to plant this church. Or actually, no, it was back in 1996, and he served for eight years here in this church faithfully. And then now he's back on the missions field doing incredible stuff for the Lord. And if you don't know Terry, uh, he is one of those rare individuals I talked about last week who has this exceptional gift in the field of evangelism. In fact, last Sunday, if you were here, I did a little audience participation and I did this out in Sun City, did it in this service. I said, turn to the person next to you. And I want you to tell that person what comes to your mind immediately when you hear the word evangelist. And the first answer at Sun City was Billy Graham. And the second answer uh, at Sun City was Terry Spinelli. And the same thing happened here at the 930 service. And that tells you about all you need to know when it comes to that awesome man of God right over there. Uh, he's an evangelist extraordinaire. And I would actually flip the order. Okay, I'd put Billy second, but that's my personal take, all right? So it's a joy to have you here, Terry. And how about a big round of applause for my good friends, fellow laborers in Christ, Chuck Abbott and Terry Spinelli. Hey, Brian, wasn't it the Astros that actually cheated? No, no, no. The Astros are God's chosen team to humble you this year. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning. Thanks, Brian, for the lovely introduction. Um, at least Terry, I'm sure, thanks you. Um, I'm going to be quickly going over uh, all of our missionaries that we as a church support. And uh, I asked all of them to send me a one-sentence description of what they do. So uh, that was kind of interesting exercise I had them do. So what I will say about them is what they said about themselves. And uh, I want you to, if you don't know this, uh, you should, as all of our missionaries that we support in the church are actually homegrown. 
right from here, starting with the guy next to me, and that's pretty cool. You don't find that in most churches. Also, uh, afterward, you can meet uh, Terry and I at the Red Tent. Uh, we'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions. And, and on your little hand handouts, you've got all of our contact information. Um, the first missionary up is, we have a slide, is Linda Buckley. And those of you that uh, know Linda Buckley, I'm, I'll talk about the photo later, but I'm going to just read you her words. Hers were the longest of all the people. And uh, she made it one sentence, which was crazy. Um, she's known as Mama Linda, by the way, where she lives. But she said, in Central Asia, listening and sharing with a, a goal of preparing God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. <laughs> um, Linda, if you don't know, she... She was actually part of this church when it started. Uh, she's been, so she's been with us technically for over 20 years. She has been serving in one of the Stan countries um, for over 20 years now as well. And uh, if you notice the photo, it says, I voted early. That's her sense of dry humor uh, because of where she lives. <laughs> Next up, we have Jeannie Merrick. I believe there she is. Uh, she said, advancing the gospel by supporting missionary families who have children with special needs through speech, language, therapy, and education. And what's neat about Jeannie is Jeannie, uh, she actually helped out in our youth group for a long time until this, this man's wife named Kay, who oh, Kay is here Kay, today. Baby, stand up. Kay's here. Um, Kay helped Jeannie realize that she could actually use her vocation and gifting in ministry. Well, she's been living in Thailand now for over 15 years, which is kind of cool. Next up, we have Laura Weichi. A lot of you know her. Um, her one sentence <laughs> is ministering in Japan through creating videos and media. Those of you know Laura, uh, she's very humble, and that's, yes, that's what she does technically, but she's way too humble. Um, but her own videos, if you've never seen them, they're not only technically amazing, they are indeed advancing the gospel in a very dark part of the world. Japan now is actually on the unreached people group list. So that's kind of neat. Uh, next up, we have Gregory and Connor White. They're our newest missionaries. And you see they win the award for the most perfect-looking photo. And um, their one sentence is planting local churches throughout Italy where 80% of cities, towns, and villages don't have a local evangelical church and equipping Italians to make disciples that make disciples. And some of you are going, well, Italy, well, that sounds really good. It must be hard to be a missionary in Italy. Well, if you think that way, then good, you go do it. Um, you know, Italy, like, uh, sadly, like most of Europe, is actually now on most all the unreached people group lists. And um, so there's a huge need there in Italy. Um, next up, needs no introduction, we have Mexico. And you see her picture. This is, most of you know Jackie Holcomb. She's standing there with Pastor Paulino. Jackie uh, leads our Mexico mission efforts. And uh, Pastor Paulino is someone we also support in the church. 
And then there's Francisco and Alma, who a lot of you know, and we support them as well. Mexico Missions has been part of this church. If you're new here, they've been part of the church for over 20 years. I think it was, I think Jackie said to me the other day, like 22 or something. I said, well, I could say decades, plural. It sounded cool. We have the Great Tamale Project coming up, and if you don't know about that, I would highly encourage you to check that out. Um, there's something actually for everyone in here to do. It doesn't matter your age or capabilities or anything, so I encourage you to check that out. But if you've been there, been to Mexico Mission Trip before, I would highly encourage you to invite someone to go. Why is that? Well, let me tell you why. Uh, about, it's a little over 10 years ago, I met Jackie, who's, I see her here today. I met Jackie, my wife and I met her at a Bible study, and she was at our discussion guy table. I didn't know her, she didn't know me, but she had the courage to invite me to go to Mexico. And I, I, I was kind of, I think it was a God thing, because I actually had nothing to do that weekend, and so I had no excuse. I went, and that started a string of events that changed my life completely. And that's why I'm up here today. And so that's why you should invite somebody, because you never know what's going to happen. Um, there's Next up, there's, I don't know why they need a picture of me, because um, you can see me right here. Um, anyway, uh, I told you a little bit about how I got started, and I went to Mexico. I quickly, uh, I quickly, I ended up talking to Pastor Brian, became the missions director here at the church, and and then, then I went, I, I thought I was just going to check on this guy. I was sent by the church leadership to go to Cambodia. Check on me. Um, and Cambodia, by the way, is not in Africa, Josh. Um, it's in Asia. And, uh, and Terry, like Jackie, was very intentional. And, and that also started a string of events that changed my life. And now currently I work, as Brian said, for East West as Associate Indochina Field Leader, yet I still serve here as the mission director. There's a guy, the guy next to me, oh, he was next to me in that photo, and here he is again. His name, uh, his nickname that he named himself is Luke. And um, Luke is a, tr a trainer of ours in Indochina. Now, if you want to know where exactly, you can talk to me at the Red Tent. Um, and he always has this smile on his face. And I've known him now for a little over six years since Terry introduced me to him. And um, what's neat is he has the smile on his face no matter where he is. Even in, I've witnessed even in a police station in Hanoi, he has a smile on his face. And um, he's our, uh, what's called our national training leader for East West. And I wanted to share a brief, quick story. Brian wanted me to share stories. So um, what's... What happened during the pandemic, actually recently, because their pandemic ended just shortly ago, is he was locked in his home. Uh, there were a lot of countries did some dr drastic things. I know you know that. He was locked up in his home. There was only essential travel. And he decided to put a speaker outside. Oh, we went back to that. So go to the, the slide with the speaker. Um, there's a, anyway, they should have that slide. Wanna to go to the next slide? And then the next slide. <laughs> it's a, a crude picture. This is a speaker that he put in his courtyard. Uh, he didn't have a long enough uh, speaker cable to go all the way to the gate, but it's still very loud. 
and there's a picture, the next slide is of him talking. He spent literally a couple of months uh, every day in the morning for three hours just sharing the gospel. Now, not only do I know most of us would never do that here, where it would be perfectly legal, but there, it's not, it's not even legal to speak to someone in public about Jesus. And after a few weeks, or actually a few, a few months, a man who was from far away was riding uh, to an essential job, and um, he stopped because he did not understand what Luke was talking about. He'd never even heard about Jesus. And there's a picture, the next slide shows this man. His name's Wynn. Well, Luke talked to him, and this man believed in Jesus. And so that's really cool. That's the kind of guy he is. When you, when you travel with him, it's quite interesting <laughs> uh, to be there. Um, next up, uh, I, we, we already had an introduction. Terry and Kay. That's Terry and Kay. And Terry's words were, he's the international trainer with the movement strategy team at East West. That was his one sentence. Not too exciting, but... Anyway. That's okay. I'm not, anyway. you know. Terry, uh, you were recently, I know, in Bolivia, right? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, as a mission, East-West, uh, uh, a, there's opportunities in South America that have recently opened up for us, which were really exciting uh, to be able to go there, to be able to train, to be able to uh, identify potential partners that we could work with to expand the gospel. And a while back, I was invited to head down to Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Uh, it was a new trip for me because I'd never been below the equator. Almost all of our mission work for Kay and I have been above the equator in Russia, Indochina, and South Asia, uh, but never below the equator. So for me, it was exciting to be able to see the Lord open up that door. Um, <clears throat> I was there for about a week with, uh, with about 31 leaders from six different South American countries, Guatemala, Chile, Bolivia, um, I can't remember the other ones that came, but we were with them for a week and began to work through training uh, that we have, uh, again, implemented in Indochina, South Asia, to be able to see the gospel uh, proclaimed and churches planted, and uh, it was an amazing trip for me. I was, uh, these guys were, these guys and these men and women were hungry. They were just hungry to be able to get training that they could take and apply as they go back to their believers to be able to train and equip them to tell their story, to tell God's story, to invite people to say yes to Jesus Christ. And then know, to know what to do when someone says yes. What do I do when someone says yes to Jesus? How do I help them take the next step spiritually? So we provided uh, some good initial training with them, and it was a blast. I mean, I really enjoyed it. That was a, it was a great group. Uh, can you go to the slide? Uh, uh, here's some of the slides of the training uh, there in Bolivia at the uh, place where we were going. Can you go to the next slide? Uh, you can see some of those leaders that were there. Uh, we had a chance to meet and to be able to equip, which I think was really cool. And how about the next slide? Uh, here's a slide that's interesting. One of the guys we trained, his name's Nixon, and his ministry is up the Amazon River to unreached, unengaged villages and people groups that live in the remote areas of South America uh, that have never heard the name of Jesus. So he immediately took the training that he received, and about you know three or four days after uh, the training finished, I get back and I get this picture saying, "Hey, Terry, I'm heading up the Amazon." 
to be able to take the good news of Jesus to the target areas that we're working with. And, and as I'm going up the Amazon, I see this laying on the side of the bank of the Amazon. This is the anaconda. And so we're excited to see the kingdom of God advancing in the land of the anaconda. So will you pray that God's kingdom will be multiplied, the gospel of Jesus will be multiplied among the unreached of South America and Latin America. So that was, that was real exciting for us. Also, uh, I hear you're going to get to go back to your old stomping ground soon, India. Yeah, on Saturday, uh, I leave to head back to India. Kay and I were in India right as COVID was hitting out, uh, was, was starting. That was the last time we were there. And uh, we, we had to get out because the Indian government was saying, you know, your, your visas are being revoked. And so you have like 48 hours to get out. You remember when COVID hit, I mean, they were shutting down airports People were trying to get back. We were closing down everything. So Kay and I and a group of us, I mean, we made it back by the skin of our teeth to, uh, to Dallas, and, uh, and then things shut down. And it has, has kind of been shut down, so it'll be the first time in about two years, a little over two years, that I'll be heading back. And uh, we'll be working with uh, networks that Kay and I have known over the last 12 years, uh, disciples, leaders that we've had a chance to build into their lives, they've had a chance to build into our lives, and we've been able to expand God's kingdom together in India, South Asia. So in some ways, it's going to be kind of like a return home, home week uh, for me to get back. So I'm really looking forward to being able to go back there and to be able to see uh, what God's doing. couple stories uh, as we head back uh, that I, we wanted to share with you because you, you all are having a, a kingdom impact of people that you'll never know this side of eternity. You won't meet these people, but I, I want to talk with you about them today. Uh, you'll meet him in eternity. You'll meet us when we all gather at the throne of Jesus, when we praise him and worship him for his kingdom, uh, for his kingdom growth. So we'll, we'll all be there. But uh, can you go to the next slide? Uh, this is Deepak. We had to, we had to uh, you know, do a, a, a fa his face. So we couldn't see it because we're recording this. And uh, a lot of the places where we're working, we, we want to be careful to not compromise our, our brothers and sisters there. Uh, Deepak, is a, uh, he was a former Hindu a holy man. He lives uh, in the city of, a, 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 I can't say it here, but it's called the city of a thousand temples. And uh, it's the heart of Hinduism. Uh, he grew up as a Hindu, a very fervent Hindu. He became a Hindu priest, a Hindu holy man. And about three years ago, he, became, he was struck ill with, some of, with a blood disease. I, I'm not sure if it was leukemia. I don't know for sure, but I know it was a very serious blood disease. He went to the temples. He went to his, his fellow Hindu priest to lay hands on him and pray for him, and they did, and his condition only worsened. Uh, then after that, uh, when the priest couldn't do him any good, he went to the demons, uh, the, the black priest, they call him Kali, and the demon priest and black magic and began to ask them to intercede asked Kali and the demons to see if they could deliver him and heal him from this blood disease, and the condition only got worse. Uh, from there, then he turned to the medical community in India and went to numerous doctors and hospitals for tests, spent all the money he could, and basically got, went, went broke uh, and with medical costs, and his condition and the blood disease still continued to worsen. Until one day, uh, a neighbor of his who lived next door who uh, just happened to be one of the church planters that we work with, heard Deepak and heard about his story and came over and said, uh, Deepak, would you mind if, if you could stop by my house this evening? We'd like to pray for you in the name of Jesus 
that God may deliver you or may heal you from this blood disease. And Deepak, had never heard, he said he'd heard a little bit about Jesus, but he was desperate. He'd, he'd exhausted every resource, and he knew that he, he, he was going to die. And so he said, out of desperation, I went over to this man's house. He said, I walked into the house, and there was about five or six believers that were there. They said, would you mind if we prayed for you in the name of Jesus that you might be healed? They didn't know what God was going to do, but they said, we're going to pray for you. So he sat down on a chair. They gathered around him and laid hands on him. In the name of Jesus, they prayed that God would touch Deepak's body and God would heal him of this blood disease. And guess what happened? Just guess what God did. God showed up in an amazing way and touched Deepak and healed him of this blood disease completely. Deepak placed his faith in Jesus Christ and became an avid follower of Jesus. He began to be trained with the training that we to help tell his story. And he's got a story to tell. To tell his story, to tell God's story, and to invite fellow priests, to invite his family members, to invite his community members to place, his faith in, to place their faith in Jesus. And then to begin to train him to, again, what to do when people begin to say yes to Jesus. And God began to multiply his kingdom through Deepak. Deepak lives again in the, in the city that we call the heart of Hinduism. And in this dark place, the kingdom of God is being, is being displayed, is growing in an incredible way. He sent me recently. I'm going to show it to you. Um, I'm going to I'll set this down. He sent me recently. asked, hey, Deepak, could you send us a map of the churches that have been planted uh, in the last couple of years through, through you and through your leaders. And so he wanted to show me, and I, he sent me, and I wanted to show this and share this with you. Can I put this down here? Sure. Let me open this up. But uh, this map is about three months old. And uh, but I wanted to share it with you and look at, look at the house churches that have been planted. These are all churches that meet. They, uh, they have between 25 to 30 believers that gather together in small communities of faith that are being trained and encouraged to move the gospel of Jesus Christ forward into a very, very dark spiritual place. So God's kingdom is moving forward. Thank you for the investment in people like Deepak who is multiplying his life into disciples that are multiplying other disciples that are multiplying into other disciples so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill South Asia as the waters cover the sea. Praise God for his story. So that's Deepak. Oh, can you? You got that? You want to drop the mic? Now, uh, how about the next slide? This is Sylvia. Thank you. Uh, this is Sylvia. Sylvia lives in central India. She's a housewife with a family. Uh, she and her husband uh, have, have come to faith. And she began to wrestle with the question, well, what could God do through me? A housewife, a woman. And particularly in India, women aren't necess don't necessarily have the position that they often enjoy in the West or here. But as a woman, as a housewife, how could God use me? And we began to encourage uh, Sylvia to say, boy, you know what? God, God uses everybody. God, all you need is an open heart and an open hand 
to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, could you use me? And so she began to pray fervently that God would use her life. She went through training with us to be able to, again, tell her story, tell God's story, to be able to disciple. And Sylvia has an, ex- has an extensive network of family members, of people that she knew. She just began in obedience to go out and to talk to people about Jesus. She began to tell her testimony of how God began to speak to her and drew her to himself and the good news of the gospel. And then people started coming to faith in Jesus. And then she began to train women, uh, particularly women, and give these women a vision for how God can use them to multiply their lives into other women, to begin to disciple other women. And then pretty soon these women were leading their husbands to faith, were leading other people to faith, and a movement was born in central India. I asked uh, Sylvia, hey, could you just give me an update of what God's doing? And she sent me a map that I also want to show you. Uh, it's about, again, it's, it's like Deepak. It's about three months old. They change as, as the times go. But I wanted to unfold this too and show you how God is multiplying his kingdom. careful with this one um, because it's a little bit more um, take it and walk that way Chuck this is through one lady God plus one equals a majority think about what God can do through the power of one One life who says, Jesus, take my life and use me to multiply the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and to be able to equip people to be able to to, uh, proclaim the kingdom of God wherever they live, wherever they work. So this is Sylvia's story. And again, these are just two, Deepak, Sylvia, two imperfect people who a perfect God is using to have tremendous kingdom impact in one of the spiritually darkest places of the world. Thank you for your investment in people like Sylvia and Deepak. Look what God is doing through you. Praise God for his kingdom growth. Now, Chuck, how in the world do we close this thing? It's going to take us a minute. Yeah, why why Jerry's doing that? <laughs> well, someone's got to talk, so I don't, I don't know you if you knew. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In case you I'll did, sit back down again. In case you didn't know, there are over 3 billion people in the world that still have never even heard about Jesus. It's a lot of people. Yeah, there's billions that have heard and just never said yes, but there's 3 billion who have never even heard. So, Terry, why is it important for us as a church to focus on those dark parts of the world? Yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus himself gives us that answer. Uh, you know, Matthew 24, 14, what does Jesus tell us? Jesus says that, this, that the gospel, this gospel of this kingdom shall be proclaimed as a witness in all the nations, among all the ethne, among all the people groups, and then the end shall come. I mean, do we want the return of Jesus? Do we want the kingdom of God to come? I mean, a hearty amen to that. But Jesus says this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed as a witness among all the nations. All the nations include those that have never heard. All the nations include those spiritually darkest places of the world. 
And so we've got to take the good news of Jesus to them because they've never heard. We have to give them an opportunity at least to say yes to Jesus. And in doing so, I believe we hasten the return of our Lord and Savior, and we hasten the return of the kingdom of God. Second thing is, uh, you know, 90% of the finances that are given to global missions, 90% of that money goes to, the vast majority of that money goes to people that are already reached. Only 10% of the money that's given to global missions goes to the spiritually darkest places of the world. I don't get it. I mean, I don't understand the math with that, but that's kind of the present reality. So we have to marshal the resources we have to be able to get into those spiritually darkest places, up the Amazon, or in the darkest places of India or South Asia or Indochina, where people have never heard the name of Jesus. We've got to be able to get the good news to them because God loves them. It's His desire that none should perish, but that all might come to repentance. God's Word tells us that. Thanks, Terry. And uh, one last time, uh, after we close, uh, Terry and I will be out at the red tent to answer any questions you might have. And on your handout, you've got all the contacts to the missionaries, and there's a challenge in there for you as well. So, Terry, would you mind uh, praying for our church, especially as it relates to our efforts and missions? Absolutely. Hey, why don't we all stand up? Father, thank you that uh, your heart, your heart beats, uh, not just for us as your children, but your heart beats for those people that don't know you, those lost sheep, those lost people that are without any witness. Lord, your desire is to bring the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel to those people. Father, we pray that as a family of believers, would you continue to burden our hearts to call out to you, to pray for those lost places, to ask your spirit to pour himself out into hearts, turn hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. Father, would you continue to encourage us to invest in the cause of your eternal kingdom, to give so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go to those places that desperately need to hear it. And then, Lord, for some of us, uh, we might actually go. Lord, would you be speaking to us about taking our experience, our history, our lives, and actually being able to go to those places of the world to be able to share what great things you've done for us. We thank you and we praise you for your grace, for your mercy, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name.